0: Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog They're Wonderful lads, to do a great job there And worth reading about that man there so he the man the numbers be Time's ended up almost looking like a 6-3 one Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website great podcast as well Of course, Fede Valverde was a huge part of the equation
1: Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. I'm your host, Kian Sabani, joined by Lucas Navarrete for another edition of El Dia Después. Of course, recording this two days after Real Madrid beat Real Batista. Now we are two days away, Lucas, from Real Madrid losing... At some point in the second half, 3-0 at the Burnabout Liverpool and turning our stomachs inside out. So we'll save the heart attacks for two days from now. We're going to talk about stuff. And there's a surprisingly decent amount of stuff to talk about if you want to talk about non-football things. Like, I don't know, our arch rivals being um, denounced and prosecuted and getting in all kinds of trouble and... Us getting involved now, so there's a real thing that we can talk about from our perspective. Yeah, there's a lot going on. We're going to tackle as much as we can, and we'll see where this goes. Lucas, how you doing, man? Hey, Kian, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me, as always. Of course. Where do you want to start? You want to start talking about Espanol? You want to talk about Athletic missing golden opportunities Let's against start Barcelona? if you want...
0: Yeah, we talked about this offer. Let's let's start if you want with the with the Apple TV documentary and then you know move on sure. to quote unquote non-related Real Madrid stuff if you want with the Barcelona gate and and all that. What did you think of it? I I I saw your your first Instagram story saying that the first episode was kind of mediocre. And I agree and I would extend that sentiment for all three episodes. I think it's a shame that such a quality production with those cameras, obviously that kind of uh, video available, that kind of access to the dressing room and all that pretty much gave no uh, added value to what we all got to see on television, right? It was pretty much a summary of the Champions League run, no big detailed uh, quality and really worthy Inside access to the bus, or to the dressing room, or to the training sessions, I, I thought it was a, a massive uh, wasted opportunity in this regard. I I, I rather I enjoyed very much uh, more the the Real Madrid TV produced ones, although the quality was worse with the, you know, the quality of the video and all that. You know, the 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 shoot the shootings overall were definitely worse and not in, not the highest of quality in that regard but at least it gave us you know more detailed access into the team's uh, uh training camp before the final into the team's hotel before the final as well the dressing rooms with halftime speeches and all that so i in that regard i thought it was a massive uh, wasted opportunity
1: yeah i matt and i talked about this a little bit after the espanol post game podcast like towards the end of it and i just thought it was a little bit disappointing it was hyped up and I think what carried it was really the content, which is Real Madrid had epic comebacks over and over again. And that's that's what carries it. But it's not the storytelling of the documentary. It's There's not really any inside information. I mean, essentially, like, it's just a hype video. What I said to Matt is, like, there's that Twitter account or a YouTube account. I don't know what it is, or maybe both. It's called Maridista TV. I think that puts out uh like these cool compilations or these cool montages of the comeback and i enjoy watching mm-hmm. those but i can just watch those like this apple documentary didn't give me anything new really um i thought there were too many people speaking like there were i thought even david beckham's yeah. place was really weird because he was just reading a script and it was like super in one line yeah, and he was just yeah, in two lines. He looked like a robot <laughs> um, just reading those lines.
0: Like, I thought he was going to be, like, I thought he was going to be the, the how do you call it, the nar- narrator? And I don't know if that's a correct narrator, word, yeah. at least in, in Spanish. Na- yeah, I thought he was that was going to be his role in this, and I was surprised to see him just reading one line by the final episode, so, yeah
1: yeah uh his place in this was weird if there's like a more authentic thing he can say like with that where he's not robotic and reading lines, then go for it but i I thought his place was really weird um yeah again I did not I have a lot of respect for everyone who was involved in that documentary, but I did feel like I don't know how to frame this but like. <laughs> There was just a lot of people talking in the documentary. I think they didn't really need they didn't really add anything to the whole thing. Um what I did find most interesting and I wish they focused on more was that when the players spoke it at least engaged me. Like when Modric was telling his version of the story, when mm-hmm. Casemiro was talking about, you know, we're not yeah. on the level of PSG, that was interesting to me to hear that from the players. Mm-hmm. So uh, more from the players and less from the media would I think be a, a decent start. Um, although I will say I I enjoyed the second episode more. Maybe that's because that's when they showed the comeback against PSG, and that was cool. But mm-hmm. this, I mean, look, and there's nothing wrong with wrong with it. But I mean, it was geared, I think, towards a lot of people who don't really know anything about Real Madrid. You know? Yeah, absolutely. We're, you you know, can definitely tell the, that. Of, yeah, yeah. People who would not you have known about any of this, this, right? And that's nothing. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do think the production. Like I was watching it uh actually with somebody last night and they the second the second episode and they noted when the only thing they said, like there wasn't like, oh, this is amazing. The only thing that they pointed out was when Mordric was looking at the iPad of him going around the dressing room and hugging everyone. Yeah. Remember that? They yeah. said yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. they copied that from The Last Dance when Michael Jordan's holding the iPad and <laughs> reacting to things. I was like, oh, great, great observation. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a there's a question about this actually that came in uh, from a patron. Uh, Adrian Rios, our patron, says, hey team, has anyone seen the Real Madrid op- Apple documentary yet? I thought it was interesting that the only non-Madrid coaches that featured and spoke in the documentary were Tuchel and Pochettino the two coaches we've been linked with the most. What are your thoughts? Does the club just have a great relationship with these type of managers or is this team or is this them doing this in hopes of getting the coaching gig at some point?
0: I would agree with that and I could buy the point, but Xavi also appears. Remember Xavi also appears talking about El Clasico and yeah. not in press conference like when when Guardiola previews the matches against Real Madrid, they obviously show uh, footage of Guardiola during the, his press uh, during his press conferences and all that. Xavi uh, appears uh, the same as uh, as Pochettino and Tuchel. So, um, the point loses a bit of uh, accuracy in this regard. But, you know, ultimately, I don't I don't know how these big productions work. I don't know if they actually pay these guys to appear on the show, even if it's just obviously you know, a big amount of money or something like that, or they just ask...
1: I doubt there's any uh, money involved asks, in this. I doubt it.
0: I know, I know. It, it was weird that Xavi has accepted to appear, though. Don't you think?
1: yeah i i suppose it is i never really thought about it but yeah he i suppose i don't know what he's what he's doing there or why he accepted to talk about real madrid um
0: no it's fine to have him i mean, I don't have any complaints about him appearing yeah though. it's just me saying that you know it's uh the fact that did he just accept to appear in a documentary glorifying real madrid uh, for free was a bit strange in my opinion but in that regard yeah I think that obviously Tuchel and Pochettino maybe want to keep themselves relevant for Real Madrid and want to have a good relationship with the club definitely that's maybe at least a part of the of of why they ultimately appear in the show but overall I think that maybe they all thought that this was going to be a big product and they didn't want to uh, just miss on the opportunity of being there same as since we just talked about The Last Dance, same as Karl Malone, for example. He never had a great relationship with Michael Jordan and all that. And ultimately, he he decided to appear. Why? I don't know. Maybe money was involved or maybe he just felt like, oh, this is Netflix. This is a big thing. And, you know, I have a good opportunity to be here and at least share my version of the story.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I doubt there's any money involved, but they... Sometimes these people just accept. I I would do the same if I was Tuchel or Pochettino wanting to just have good relationships with Real Madrid. Why not? I don't I think that's a logical (laughs) stance from them to take. Um I haven't seen the Tuchel part yet. I'm assuming that's in episode three, but uh yeah, again, I I think I what I found most interesting was not the narrations or the commentary from anyone in this in this documentary, but more so just when People were speaking with, within the club. Uh, I mentioned this to Matt. It was just even if it's like nothing groundbreaking, like, wow, I can't believe it. But it was kind of wholesome to see stories from Florentino about his lip, you know, when he was a child uh, and the scar. And then and then Ancelotti mm-hmm. making jokes about this is how we score his tactics. Remember, he's like the ball goes here and then here and then here and yeah. then goes in the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of enjoyed those things when Modric was speaking, Benzema was speaking. That was cool. I, I wish there was more focus on just those guys speaking about their experience. And maybe some yeah. I mean it would be really fascinating if you got like Neymar and Messi and Mbappe to talk about what was happening. That would be really cool, but you didn't you didn't get that. Yeah. Um uh, the One thing I I don't know, this is not necessarily related, but something that's been on my mind is that, you know, just watching the the comeback against PSG reminded me and also kind of goes in hand with their exit this year against Bayern Munich that I do wonder sometimes how the media portrays the importance of players. Um, I forget which media outlet it was that, like, Um, was one of the big media outlets that before the game against Bayern Munich, it was something about like um, Messi's PSG to take on Bayern. And then when they lost, that same media outlet said Mbappe's PSG loses to (laughs) to Bayern. Obviously not mentioning. I I also think one of the most underrated players, I think in the past few years, in my opinion, has been Neymar. And I understand why um, a lot of people... are not too fond of him because of the way he's taking care of himself. Maybe some of the seriousness he's taken these games with, but to me, like he's been, I don't know if this is blasphemous. I don't, I don't know if there's any huge Messi fans who listen to this podcast anyway, but I kind of think like Neymar has been a, a much more decisive and important player than Messi in the champions league since 2015 even if you go all the way back when Absolutely. he was with Bar- when he goes when he was playing with barca uh that comeback against psg was him you know it's you know they're not Absolutely. winning that game 6-1 if he doesn't like with 10 minutes to go be the only player believing that they could come back um he was amazing in that year that that they went to the final uh he had that in one of the all-time performances against napoli i think we had like 16 completed dribbles So, I I don't know, it just kind of made me think, like, somehow, like, to me, it, it feels weird to me that the greatest player of all time can have eight straight years of being an absolute ghost in the most important competition in the world. And I just don't, I can't accept it, you know? Like, that's, like, like, Michael Jordan would not be considered the goat if for, like, eight straight years. In the biggest game of the season, he just no one even knew he was on the court. It kind of doesn't sit well with me. I understand why some, why a lot of people feel he is the goat. I respect it, but I just can't accept it for that reason. The most important competition in the world. It's not one year. It's not two years. It's not three years. Not four. Not five. Not six. Not seven. It's eight years in the decisive game. Where is he? And, and you know, anyways, this has just been on my mind because watching that comeback reminded me of it and then goes hand-in-hand hand with the whole, with the Bayern thing, too. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on yeah,
0: that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you. I definitely am... I am... You kind of had some second th- second thoughts on whether or not you wanted to backpedal on on your initial thought, C- considering maybe that it was blasphemous or something like that. And I, I just think it's completely uh, completely right. I think everyone who has watched Champions League football for the last pretty much decade can notice the fact that you know yeah Neymar has been be- better Champions League player than than Messi, and he's definitely been more important for PSG than Messi in the since the two of them have been together in. In France, so I I definitely agree with you there. When when you say that you know Messi's legacy should should be affected by these kind of uh, performances in the in the Champions League, but ultimately the fact that he won the World Cup seems to be the perfect excuse for the whole yeah. uh, media and football media to forget about what's been happening in in the biggest stage on a consistent basis for the last seven, eight, even nine years.
1: Yeah. Um, It was super satisfying to see, again, the Modric tackle on Messi, which was one of my favorite parts of last season. Um,
0: Yeah, uh, just one quick thought about the the product itself being uh, targeted for uh, more casual fans. I think this is probably the right move uh, for Real Madrid and Apple to do. In order to increase audience, because you know, probably not even a single listener will will know what I'm talking about. But you know, Formula One and MotoGP have all have both uh, released uh, different documentaries with kind of different targets in in audience. Formula One for the more um, casual fans, you know, even creating some fake narratives that whoever watches this sport knows. That this is not even true and not even accurate, but you know, at, um, at the very least, the people, the casuals, seem to be getting engaged and all that, and that obviously helps the product. While Moto G, that and the Netflix show was a huge success on Formula One and on the MotoGP side of things, I enjoy I enjoyed the, their documentary on Amazon a lot because it was targeted for people who actually watch. And MotoGP on a consistent basis and know what they're talking about. So you know you get that in-depth in interview with the riders. They explain how they train and all that. But the product is, itself uh, was a failure because it didn't attract uh, new people to the to MotoGP or, or to the show. So only the people uh, who are already hardcore MotoGP fans uh, enjoyed it. So you know it's frustrating for us hardcore real madrid fans if not analysts to see that you know this is such a wasted opportunity but from the marketing side of things it probably makes sense at sad as it is.
1: well correct me if i'm wrong
0: sorry uh
1: correct me if i'm wrong the i didn't see the f1 doc but like matt's a huge mm-hmm. fan of that documentary and he's not an f1 fan he said it made him want to mm-hmm. watch f1 and get into it more um but Exactly. He says that the level of that documentary is way higher than this Apple TV thing that with Real Madrid.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, the the level, uh, the quality of the of the production itself uh, from Netflix is uh, it's amazing. They they travel to each and every uh, Grand Prix, to each and every race. They see it with uh, every single driver. The quality of the of the filming and the 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 show itself in showing the spectacular images from races and all that it's it's just great but you know it I think it speak, it speaks volumes when I tell you that I'm I've been watching every, pretty much every single Formula One race for the last 10 15 20 years and I didn't even uh, watch the last two seasons of the documentary you know I'm not I'm not interested it's just some fake narratives some stuff constantly explained as if we didn't know what's going on so it's directed for people who don't uh, watch Formula One on a consistent basis and in order to attract them to the sport. And in that sense, from a marketing perspective, it definitely makes sense. But, you know, you, it's definitely worth noting that it's not a product for everyone who who watches, who already watched Formula One. But in terms of the quality of production, yeah, it was, you know, it's hard actually to match that kind of uh, documentary. It's very, very, very well produced.
1: I don't think this... Now, I could be wrong, and maybe there's, like, just mi- thousands of people around the world who were not Madrid fans who are now Madrid fans because of this documentary. But this d- documentary doesn't strike me as something that would suck someone in. Uh, it's kind of too slow pace. Like, a much better marketing mm-hmm. tactic is yeah. if someone actually just watched the game that day. They'd be like, holy shit, this mm-hmm. is amazing. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, but the, the documentary yeah. feels, this one feels a little bit too slow paced for me to, to find yeah, someone else getting engaged into it. Um, I agree. I agree. So I want to ask you this. Last week, neither of us felt that something would actually happen to Barcelona. Do you feel differently now or
0: no? No, not really. Hmm. Not really. I mean, something might happen again. As I said last week, something might happen to. Bartoméu, to uh, who was the other to Rosell, maybe even to La Porta. I just, I just don't see anything happening to Barcelona as a, as a club in the football side of things. I don't see them losing points. I don't see them losing trophies from that, from that era. I don't see them uh, being relegated. Um, I just don't I just don't something will probably and will definitely happen in the in the financial side of things maybe in that sense I don't know something some kind of punishment from a financial perspective in the sense that maybe they will not be allowed to sign any players similarly to what happened to who was that Chelsea a few years ago Manchester when they City, were wasn't allowed it? to sign players for to I don't know. I don't or even was it remember. Either Manchester City. Uh, maybe both. And for two or three straight transfer windows. Didn't, that, didn't that happen players. to us
1: at one point? Didn't we have a ban? From... Um, like two, three years ago? My, didn't we have like one summer no. or one winter?
0: Oh, I don't know. I, 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 I could be mixing thoughts. I'm, I'm, not like sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure now. Like... For all the Kubo thing, right? Something... some. I don't know. We have to look it up. I think. I think it was. Or maybe it just never went
1: that far. Uh, Just looking it up now. Uh, There was it was two transfer windows, which I think like didn't even affect us really, because one of them was a winter one, which you weren't going to send anyone anyway. this goes back all the way to 2016 or something anyways
0: yeah this this has uh, turned out to be the perfect uh, Barcelona podcast because we were talking about Barcelona getting punished and now we are under (laughs) revealing the punishments Real Madrid have faced in the past for doing things wrong Barcelona fans will definitely be happy (laughs) it's just hilarious that their
1: entire argument is literally just to deflect about Real Madrid (laughs) As they not yeah, for yeah, yeah. one second were like, oh, maybe there's a one percent chance we did something wrong. It's like, no, one hundred percent chance they the reason we're innocent is because from the, Real Madrid. From
0: nineteen eighties. Yeah, yeah. Well the thing, no, they, but the thing
1: is what they do is essentially what every club in the world could theoretically do about themselves and any other club. Because referees are so bad that you could make a compilation that Favors Barcelona. You could make a compilation that um, shows that Barcelona got screwed. You can do this for Real Madrid. You can do this for Valencia. You can do this for Elche. You can do this for Chelsea. You can do this for Canadian national team. Like that's just if you cherry pick, you can create any narrative you want with one video. Yeah. You can talk about all. You can talk about the where Real Madrid benefited against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, but in that same game, <laughs> you can make a video of all the times Real Madrid. We're screwed in that same game against Bayern Munich in Champions League. You can spin it however you want. Um, so, but but again, the the fact that the argument is essentially we're not guilty, and here's a Twitter thread of all of the times Real Madrid got benefited by the referee is I I can't even tell if they're serious or they're just deranged. Oh,
0: they are, man. No, no, they are. They are. Spanish Spanish society works uh, like this pretty much every single uh, aspect of it. It works the same way for politics, for example. Whenever one political party does something wrong, you know, its fanboys uh, go and point out to the things the other political party did wrong back in the day. So it was in Spain, it works this way, man. It works this way. They they, are just incapable of doing any kind of uh, self-criticism whenever your team, your political party, your family, your company has done uh, something wrong. It's just, uh, um, it's just uh, everyone else's blame, and you know, oh, we did this, but yeah, look at what the other did uh, two years ago. It's just, uh, it's just the way this society works in Spain, man.
1: So, I guess some of the more serious things about this case that make me feel like Barcelona are, are actually in trouble. And again, I don't know what the punishment is. I don't. Like you, it's hard for me to see them actually getting punished from a sporting perspective. That's just me being a skeptic uh, and a pessimist. It's not necessarily based on pure reason and logic and justice. It's just me being a pessimist about the whole system. Um, But, you know, one one of the main things that isn't put out is that these payments to Negreira and then his son as well allegedly as i think barca put it for a video analysis which does not exist nobody can prove that that's what this was for it's obviously made up excuse there's literally no video it would have been shown by now if there was some kind of video analysis it was obviously made completely under the table el confidencial wrote today you know just quote from the article Quote, the prosecutor's office is forceful in its denunciation. It assures that Barca paid more than 7 million euros to Negreira so that he would carry out actions tending to favor the club in the decision-making of the referees. The public prosecutor's office recalls that the CTA designated the referees for each match of the official Spanish state and professional competitions and was in charge of the evaluations in which the accused participated for the promotion and relegation of referees, as well as the proposal of candidates for international referees. So, this, uh, and, and the article is really wrong, long, and people can go obviously read it. Um, but this, I mean, this was one of their arguments was that, oh, Negrero wasn't in charge of actually making decisions. It turns out that a person in his position actually does have influence. Who would have thought? But then there's this argument that some Barca fans have of like, well, show us the evidence that Barca were favored by the referee. Like, yeah, even if we paid them, where was the referee favoritism? And that logic is really dumb. I don't know. Like, this is, it shouldn't be even worth answering, but it's like hiring a hitman to kill somebody and the hitman fails to kill somebody. And you can be like, yeah, I paid him, but yeah. he didn't kill the guy. So <laughs> like that's, that's kind of what they're saying. Where's the body? Where's the body? Yeah. yeah. Show it's me like, the body, man. <laughs> uh, it's a really dumb argument that can be broken down really easily. So, uh, But again, I'm I just kind of a pessimist about the system. But do you find it interesting at all that Reamjit went from zero involvement and staying out of it to like... Almost doing a 180 and then just putting their foot down and going all in almost. It seems like they're really now they're putting out all these videos. And I don't, it's kind of unclear to me. Maybe you understand this better than me. If these videos they're putting out are directly related to Barca Gate, or it's just them saying, Hey, these referees are screwing us for 20 years now. Like it was it, how connected was it? I'm assuming it was connected, but I don't I wasn't sure if you were more clear on that.
0: Well, first of all, I think that Real Madrid took the cautious and uh, possible approach uh, with the whole case in the sense that Florentino probably never wanted to get involved or published anything until sorry, the the Spanish uh, justice uh, decided to actually get involved, which happened like Pretty much the same day, Real Madrid published the statement. Yeah, like until then, it was all a matter of reports in the Spanish press. Yeah, reliable and credible reports, evidence, full of evidence and all that. Like it was pretty much um, a matter of time for the Spanish justice to to get involved. And we also, you know, Tebas entertaining the idea, and and, you know, it was it was something that happened already and factual and something there. But Real Madrid didn't just. did not want to entertain the whole idea of getting involved until the Spanish uh, justice system decided to get involved, which is probably the right move to do in my opinion. If I'm Florentino Perez, I think it it makes sense to me to wait until you know there's actual uh, there's an actual case going on, you know, and the, and, the, and the Justice department is actually looking into it. So that's on on one side. And the second part of your question/ slash argument, from, I have I have not seen all the videos, but to me Real Madrid is kind of uh, answering some of the report, some of the quotes and reports that some of the former referees are uh, doing on radios. Like for example, the video about uh, Iturralde Gonzalez is just Real Madrid replying to what Iturralde uh, is saying yeah. on a on a radio. You know, saying that Real Madrid also have some shady and and fishy stuff uh, from that era, you know, saying that Real Madrid, uh, I don't know, it's just a matter of Real Madrid kind of defending uh, themselves from some, quote-unquote, accusations from former uh, referees who were definitely not, uh, um, had definitely not uh, lost for Real Madrid, which is the case for Iturralde and has been the case for his entire career. Everyone know, everyone knew that uh, everyone who watched Spanish football uh, in that time knew that Iturralde hated Real Madrid guts. He's proved he's proved that time and time again. Every when when he retired and decided to work for uh for, for the radios with his quotes, with his assessment of some of some place here and there. So to me, it, it's not. I wouldn't take it as far as saying that Real Madrid are kind of providing or trying to provide evidence on how the referees uh, did something wrong during the Negrada era. To me, I wouldn't take it as far as interpreting it uh, that way, in my opinion.
1: So, I mean, this is really interesting. And like coming from someone who, personally, my personal feeling, and everyone has their opinion, I um I hate the fact I I honestly I don't like it when Real Madrid come out after the game and complain about the referees I'm not a fan of these videos either um, so that's my my personal opinion you guys can have whatever opinion Same. you want I don't like it I just like to talk about football and like to focus on it and I don't like to talk about excuses um obviously if there's like a real conspiracy in that or there's like literally real corruption it's a different story and you can disregard my opinion if you want and i understand that i just don't like the excuses and that's just me because i love to talk about football the, there's these two videos that were released on the week- weekend and they've done this before it wasn't just this weekend this is something that Ramja tv yeah. has done in the past um yeah both those videos are actually pretty damning the close gomez one who is now head of VAR, they put out statistics and video examples of how um reamja just don't do well when he's in charge, and the Ituralda one, as you said, uh wasn't direct response to Itoralda going on national TV on maybe Saturday night, I think, or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And he just slams Ray Amjir for putting out these videos, and then they put out the video of Itural Gonzalez. And that video is pretty damning too. I mean, it's just um these just crazy no, no decisions. Surprise. I mean, I don't have to like go through it, but like there's one of like Zidane literally getting elbowed in the in the in the head and then him getting a yellow, you know, like it's it, there's like just a did lot of nonsense.
0: Did you see that that play that was posted on Twitter? I'm not sure if it was part of Real Madrid's own video, but I saw one particular play in 2015, Real Madrid's visit uh, to Rayo Vallecano. One uh, yellow card uh, shown to Cristiano Ronaldo for faking a penalty. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's yeah. the most ridiculous place play I've ever seen in my entire life, man. Well, it's just Itur- one of the most ridiculous calls I've ever seen. It's not. I don't think Iturralde made it. I think it was close or someone like that. I don't know. But it was one of the most ridiculous plays I've ever seen. Now that we're talking into those <laughs> strange things.
1: So yeah. so Iturralde, it should be known. You said he hates Madrid. Absolutely. He has always hated Madrid he continues to hate Real Madrid after he retires. And this is not something like we're just assuming or we think this is, he's literally gone in interviews and boasted about the fact that my numbers when refereeing against Real Madrid, their, their record yeah. is terrible. This is how many goals they concede. Yeah. This is how many cards they he's get bragging about it. This yeah. is how many losses they get. And he, he jokes and he laughs when he's saying it. He thinks it's funny. Yeah. He hates, he literally hates her. And he, so this is not like a, a thing we're making up. He literally hates Real Madrid. So, uh, you know, I think it was, and 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 goes out of his way to defend Barca. Managing Madrid retweeted something on on the account, on the Twitter account, that uh, there's like a video where he's doing a video analysis, defending Barcelona, making up like it, it's just the most farcical thing. It looks like Saturday Night Live. He's but he's dead serious defending Barcelona <laughs> in this call that is clearly not correct. So he has that track record. Um, so that that's some context about Iturada that I think is most, in case you guys aren't following or know what we're talking about, this is the kind of guy we're talking about right now. Um, it's just, I feel like there's a lot of just, uh, there was another report I saw yesterday about Barca cover-ups with uh, Media Pro, Movistar. This is another thing that kind of got lost in the shuffle.
0: Oh, yeah. The protests but, in in San Mamés, right?
1: There was big protests in San Mamés against Barca's corruption. And
0: kudos in- to Athletic Bilbao, by the way. They hate Real Madrid as well, but they at least hate Barcelona the same way <laughs> they hate Real Madrid, which you don't see very often in other clubs. You know, you see in other clubs in Spanish football they hate Real Madrid, but whenever Barcelona comes to town, everything's fine. And whenever they get a, you know, the the, the wrong end of the stick. Against Barcelona, everything fine. They don't complain. Look at Valencia, for example, and what Valencia would have done had this uh, same uh, miss penalty happened against Real Madrid and, and not against Barcelona, as it happened. So, kudos for uh, to Bilbao for at least uh, you know having the guts to doing that kind of protest uh, of protest against Real Madrid, because you don't find that uh, very often in in Spanish football.
1: So, this is another thing that kind of got lost in this: is that. Jaume Rouris, I mean, this is guy who was in the yeah. news quite a bit uh, a few months ago, I think, because he is one of the guys who actually uh, helped with the funding of Barca's, one of Barca's levers. Yeah,
0: executed one, le- one lever. yeah.
1: Uh, he is uh, part of MediaPro. Actually, he's the CEO of MediaPro. No, the owner, the owner. The, the owner. owner, sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the owner of... Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so... Media Pro cut from the broadcast Athletics demonstrations yesterday. Um, So a lot of people just didn't know about it until Dazone posted it, a video of the cuts of the cut protests on their channel. And so that's kind of like just adds to the shadiness of this whole thing. Like, you know, Barca's involvement with Media Pro, all these levers. Like, I know, like, we kind of say that. A financial penalty won't do Barca. Like nothing's going to happen unless it's financially related. A financial thing would actually hurt them quite a bit too. They're already a pretty bad situation. They're and obviously they didn't hit their targets in the budget, which justified their their levers in that they projected they would qualify for the quarterfinals of the of the Champions League. That didn't happen. That really hit uh, hurt them as well financially. It would hurt them again. It's not like I don't know if they'll get the full justified punishment that they deserve. I want to say one more thing, Lucas. A lot of people are saying it's not good for the league. It's not good for Real Madrid if it gets punished. You have to look beyond that. I know it's a lose-lose in that scenario, but long term... Justice is more important than that. For sure. Justice is more important than that. And I think one of the reasons why Real Madrid all of a sudden flipped it and from, went from not being involved to being really involved, waiting for the prosecution to happen is that I don't think they want to be associated with this kind of thing and mm-hmm. they want to distance themselves from it. And I don't even think the super league is important enough for them to be associated with this. Uh I don't know. I, I, I it remains to be seen where this goes, but obviously as an institution, if there is proven corruption and that has hurt your team over the last 20 years and counting that's gonna piss you off like they're not going to like just be friends with you (laughs) like just because of a super league that's you got to get past like the marketing and the hurts the league nonsense and all i mean it's not nonsense it's real it hurts the league hurts real Madrid, but you can't be associated with that that kind of thing right so yeah the thing, thing
0: the thing that drives me a little bit crazy is the fact that you know some people, may, as as you as you said before, and you know, we often don't like to talk about these matters about referee mistakes, about you know, conspiracy theories and all that. But you know, the, these reports from uh, about you know Barcelona not having a single penalty uh, called against them, oh, for over two seasons, those reports have been on Twitter and on media and have been kind of uh, common knowledge for quite some time. Mourinho went out of his way. To kind of denounce this pretty much this same conspiracy theory we're seeing right now. So the fact that you know all, all journalists seem now to be jumping into the bandwagon that years ago they they called us uh, crazy for kind of saying that you know Marzona always seemed to be getting a a better uh, a better. <laughs> A more favorable performance from the referee, at least for their interests. When we were saying and denouncing this, you know, we were called crazy and, and and insane. And now they seem to be jumping into the bandwagon and everything. Everyone seems to be kind of assuming and accepting that maybe, maybe Mourinho back in the day was right in some of the things he said about, you know, about coming with a list full of errors here, saying that Barcelona never get a penalty called against. So. Now it seems that Mourinho was right, and you know that Mourinho was uh, that it was fine for him to to kind of denounce these things because ultimately he was right.
1: The Mourinho speech was just so epic. It's one of those things that like I, I could just watch yeah. every day. It's the way he wards it. I mean that that speech was right after Pepe's red card in the first against Barça. Yeah. Following that speech, the it was damning that in the camp, no, in the second leg, against all odds, we actually <laughs> First, almost came back, and and overturned the deficit. But Iguain scores a goal that was disallowed because PK trips Ronaldo, and because he trips Ronaldo, <laughs> Ronaldo falls on I think it was Mascherano who Mascherano. goes down, and then the goal gets disallowed and. You were like, well, I think Mourinho was right. Like, in what world does PK founding Ronaldo result in Iguayan's disallowed goal? That was right after the speech.
0: Remember the, the Van Persie red card in the Emirates, also? There's
1: a lot. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, the Chelsea and Inter could both put two hour conversations about was. how they got screwed. But, yeah. but, but like though the, the Europe thing is almost a different conversation because you know Negrera has yeah, no yeah, brand sure. in Europe. So that's that's almost a different that's exactly. probably just bad referring I doubt that's match fixing or whatever, but you can have your own opinion on that. Um but uh that was one more thing I wanted to say about this. I don't remember what it was.
0: How about Mourinho's speech?
1: Mourinho. Can't remember. I have a slight change of topic, but do you have anything else you want to talk about? With regards to Barca and no, no,
0: no, not really. I think we touched on, on everything there. Yeah, so
1: I have something that's kind of related, but kind of not. Felix Swire has been appointed to the Real Madrid Liverpool game on Wednesday. I don't know if this is getting lost. This is another guy who should not be refereeing anyone. I'm not going to stand here and say he will. Screw Real Madrid or benefit Real Madrid. I just think Real Madrid and Liverpool are both equally screwed into this because he is literally a referee who in 2005 was um, proven to be involved in match-fixing and accepting bribes. I don't know how he still has a job. He was in a match-fixing scandal in the Bundesliga. He accepted money <laughs> from teams, and uh, so just wanted to put that out there. If you if he does something crazy on Wednesday, just remember this segment that I just put it out there that he was involved in match fixing, uh, like 15 20 years ago, whatever it was. It's another weird one. I These guys no should ID just F-O never be given 1-4. second chances. I don't understand it, they should just be fired on the spot and never to return.
0: Yeah, absolutely. At least not for the Champions League, it's just <laughs> one of those stages that you would assume that it would require, a, you know, a, definitely a clean slate uh, from from a referee, so I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um. Do you uh, have any midweek predictions, Champions League or for Real Madrid or otherwise this week?
0: Not really, but since, but since you ask, I expect Real Madrid to go through, and maybe there's a surprise with with Le- with Leipzig. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. I'm waiting for for Leipzig to surprise Manchester City there.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of like looking at that one with interest and thinking that you know yeah. maybe Leipzig can actually do something there. At the maybe very, there's a chance, yeah, yeah, maybe at the very least make it uncomfortable. But I don't, I don't fully expect a comfortable game on Wednesday. I feel like there's going to be some nerves. Uh, I'm not totally. I don't think it's impossible that Liverpool go up 2-0 at halftime and it becomes really uncomfortable. But of I course. could also see us just maybe scoring an early goal. And but hey, 2-0 at halftime, Liverpool is not impossible for me. Yeah. And
0: no, it's not impossible.
1: But I hope. I hope I'm but dead wrong. Again, and I hope like it's it's just we put our foot on the pedal and uh, go the other way. I just have a feeling that we're gonna have to rely on our bench to come in and fix some things in the second half. Is my guess. Okay.
0: Yeah, but even if they take uh, a 2 0 uh, halftime lead, they would still need two more goals to send just Madrid Just one to take in extra time. One more goal to send the extra time. Yeah, I know, I know, but you know, it it, it takes a huge, uh, a huge, huge collapse for Madrid to lose this lead. I think.
1: It yeah,
0: like monumental. It would be a monumental disaster.
1: It would be. It would just be a yeah, absolute disaster. I um. If if the away goals rule was in effect, still I'd I'd feel more comfortable. Obviously, but um,
0: yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All right, man. Um, this is a good chat. I don't know how we squeezed in almost an hour. I think we're at forty five minutes, maybe. Uh, and we didn't even talk about mm-hmm. football. We just talked about controversies and stuff. So, uh, just some housekeeping. Lucas, when's your next Twitch?
0: Pretty much right now, <laughs> oh, around okay. seven thirty, so... and I'll probably do. I'll probably do another one on, on Friday or so. When I when I get home, you're more than than invited to that one. If you have a a free and easy schedule, maybe we can do the mailbag on, on Thursday as usual and then have uh, this chat on, on Twitch on Friday if you want.
1: Okay, cool. I'll also extend an invitation to you tomorrow on our Discord channel. I'm doing a live uh, podcast there where you can do Q&A. You can hop on. What time? Uh, at. 5.30 Spain time. That's might factoring in the time change. my cell phone
0: a little bit later. Okay. Uh, a little bit later from my cell phone since I'll be away, but I might join, yeah.
1: Cool. Hop on. Uh, if you guys want to get in on that action, join us on Discord. I don't think you can record that and post it later, so just you're going to have to be one of those ones that you have to tune in live if you want access to it. And on Wednesday night, one hour after the game, zoom podcast you get a zoom link if you're a patron you join us on the show for video breakdown chat q a uh and those are always epic make sure you get access to that over on patreon.com slash managing madrid the thursday mailbag that lucas talked about also on patreon.com managing madrid so make sure you're a patron don't don't miss out on the content lucas happy monday thanks for chatting take care thank you kian have a good week Thanks for listening, guys. And before we wrap it up here and send you along on your way, we wanted to give a quick shout-out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing who do so much to support the show. Thank you guys for being on this journey with us and being a part of this ever-growing Real Madrid family. If you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get access to every single bonus content we do, and not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout-out on the podcast. So shout-out to these $10-plus patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wei Pering, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Royal Botcher, Taleb Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil, Shabaz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli e. Justin, Samer Z. Save Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Saad Omar, Rodrigo Balmaseda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafari, Astro Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Muller, Nick Robero. Uh, and then we got Nelson Masariego, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Maren Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext. Logan Stahl, Leon Stavronakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, J- Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Essay, Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Connor Mc- McMorrow, Con P, Christian Toff, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armin Kashi, Armando L, Anirud Singh, Andres Silvestre, Ananya Kumar, Alex Thyberg, Alex Rose, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovich, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Ramtin Magrur, Manaf Al-Haddad, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We love you guys so much. Thank you, and Hana